Hey, podcast people. I am excited you're listening with us today. Thank you for taking time on your commute, your run, wherever you are. Take time to dial in with us, to listen, to learn, to grow, to journey together. This is the Antioch Community Church in Dallas, Texas podcast, and I'm your host, Zach Daniel. Before we continue our series on prayer, I just wanted to update you on our That We May campaign. As you might know, we are in the middle of a building move. We are moving into a new space, and we're really excited about what God's doing in our church and through our church, and this building represents a big portion of that. We're seeking to raise $150,000 to fund this move, and our first giving day, we raised $30,000. That's amazing. Thank you for taking part in this Uh, I would love for you to be in prayer with us as we journey forward and just asking God how he might lead you as we go forward and being a part of that we may. We're talking about prayer today and we're talking about the topic of asking God in prayer. Before we jump into the message, I want to give you a few announcements from our communication team. Hello, Antioch Community Church. We're so glad that you are here this morning. My name is Savannah Reynolds, and I get to serve on the pastoral leadership team. And this morning, my job is to tell you some cool stuff that's going on in our church that you won't want to miss out on. First of all, I want to invite you to our annual Turkey Bowl. This is a flag football game that we have every year as a church. It's so fun just to come out and play a little ball. It's on November 19th. There's a women's game that's going to start at 10 and a men's game at 11. So if you want to play, you can sign up online to get on a team. And if you don't want to play, you can come out and watch. It's going to be really fun. Also, we have baby dedication coming up. It's going to be on Sunday, November 13th during the services. So if you want to get your child signed up and you haven't been contacted yet, you can email info at antiochdallas.org and we would love to get you signed up. Lastly, our Welcome to the Family Dinner is on November 20th from 5.30 to 7 at the church. So if you're new here, this is a great way to get connected. We'd love to tell you more about the church, feed you a good meal, and help you to meet some awesome people. So if you're interested in coming, sign up online so we can know how much food to get for you. Love to see you there. Those are our weekly announcements. We are so thankful for you, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. We are in a series on prayer where we're learning from Jesus how to pray. We saw that for the early disciples, the early Jesus followers, they saw the fruitfulness of his life. They saw the power of God at work. And their question to him was, will you teach us how to pray? That the fruitfulness of his life was deeply connected to the vibrancy of his prayer life. So the disciples are like, teach us to pray like you pray. And that's been the question that we've been pursuing behind that big idea that the vibrant praying leads to fruitful living, right? And so we've seen that when we pray, we don't come to an abstract force somewhere out there. We're not looking within to try and harness some sort of mystical energy, but Jesus teaches us foundation number one when we pray, we come to the God of the universe who wants to relate to us like a father does to children, a good father to children. 
That's incredible. We've seen that prayer is not monologue, us talking up to God and just kind of going on and on, but that the same God who spoke the world into being, the same God who long ago at many times in many ways has spoken to us through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us in Jesus, that that same God now bends his ear to you to listen and communicate back with you that prayer is dialogue, not monologue. That's amazing. We've seen that prayer is for us, but it's not just for us. It's for others also. And that the context in which we pray is in the middle of a spiritual battle. That God has a wonderful plan for your life, and the devil has a, has a demonic plan for your life. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And in the place of prayer, it's not an intercom to the butler to bring some more cake to make my life better, but it's the wartime walkie-talkie by which we unleash the resources of heaven in the battle. Wow. Today, we're going to study, we're going to look at, on the topic of prayer, how to ask how to ask God for things in prayer. It's a big topic, and the place that we're going to go in the Bible is James chapter 4, starting in verse 2. And as you go there, let me tell you a little bit about James. James was one of the early disciples. He had a nickname known as James the Just, that his character, his reputation, his way of living, he was one of those people that just kind of commanded respect everywhere that he went, such that people would label him, he's James the Just. His character and reputation were so influential that in the early church in Jerusalem, they appointed him to be leader over that church. And that he was influential not just among Jesus' followers, but even people outside of the community of Jesus. They saw the integrity, the righteousness of his life, and he had influence in their lives. James the Just. Now, interesting fact about James was that he was not just a man who was known as just, but he was also a man of prayer. It was said that he spent so much time praying that he had developed calluses on his knees like the knees of a camel from spending time on his knees in prayer. And so again, we see a disciple like Jesus who had this vibrant prayer life, vibrant inner life praying to God that translated or resulted in a fruitful outer life. A fruitful life such that people would look at him and say, man, I don't always agree with that guy, but I respect him. He commanded the respect of his peers. Seems like a good person to learn about prayer from. And what we're reading is a letter that this man, so I just want you to imagine him, years and years and years of praying such that he had calluses on his knees, now writing to you and to me about prayer. This seems like a good place to learn, writing to us, and in James chapter 4, in verse 2, he says this, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So James is teaching these early Jesus followers how to pray, and he starts out with this two-line, simple yet deep truth. You do not have because you do not ask. What does that mean? That there are things in our lives that we do not have because we've not asked God for them. 
and you do not receive because when you ask, you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. We're going to focus on these two lines of Scripture as we learn how to ask. So there are three things that I want you to see as we study. Number one, I want you to see the unblushing promise that's in this Scripture. Number two, I want you to see the faithful tether that you and I are going to need that's contained right here. And number three, I want you to see the good father behind it all. So the unblushing promise, the faithful tether, and the good father. So let's start with that promise. Notice in verse 2, this is what it says. You do not have because you do not ask. This is powerful. If you're familiar with the Gospels, you're thinking of Jesus' teaching on prayer. You can hear James almost echoing what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus put it like this, Matthew 7, 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Wow. The God of the universe, the king over all, says to us in prayer that you can ask and it will be given to you. And that there are things in our lives that God wants to give to us that we do not have because we have not asked. That should put some excitement and a little bit of holy fear in our hearts about that promise. This is an unblushing promise, or maybe another way to put it is a blue ocean promise. Now, if you're a businessman or woman, you're familiar with a blue ocean market or a blue ocean strategy, but it's this idea that businesses look for opportunity where there's not a lot of competition. They want to find something that no one else is there, but there's incredible promise, incredible demand, and so you can see the blue ocean that you just sail out after. It just demands that you go for it. It's what businesses are looking for. Well, this is a blue ocean promise. This is something that should grab our attention and move our hearts. Or maybe another way to put it, my wife and I, we're going to have been married 14 years this coming May. And I was thinking about our wedding day. And I can still remember we're getting married. I'm in the tux, right? The pastor's here. They play the song. The door throws open. And my wife walks in from the back of the church. And I remember what I felt. I remember her beautiful inside and out. And I remember just celebrating the goodness and the faithfulness to God in our story to us. And man, I was excited. I was in that tux, but you could have given me a basketball and I would have dunked it. You could have loaded up the bench press and I would have crushed it. You could have put me in a race with Usain Bolt and I would have taken him out. I was fired up. And when we come to this promise, it should awaken that same type of emotion, that same type of feeling. Are you serious? The God of the universe says to me, there are things that I want to give to you that you just need to ask me for. Wow. I don't know that you guys are getting it, but man, this is good news. This is like something that's not like a nice thought for Sunday or just like a verse to put up somewhere, but this changes Monday. And Tuesday and Wednesday, like this demands that I, that, I, that I put my phone down and say, who am I that the God of the universe would say there are things that he wants to do in my life that I just need to ask and that I have not because I ask not? My goodness, this rearranges priorities. 
This makes us dialed in and joyfully dialed in. I'm like, man, let's get in on this. So we have this unblushing promise. And then we have this faithful tether. So the second part of the verse, this reliable tether, it says this, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. What's this saying? It's saying that in prayer, yes, we have this God who is generous and inclined to generosity with us, who's inviting us to ask, but he's not a God like a genie that we just kind of rub the lamp and he says, three wishes I must grant you, what do you desire? But know that there is wisdom in his giving, that there are times in which we ask for things, but our desires are in the wrong place. It wouldn't be what's best for us And so God withholds it. Now, that's equally good news. That is a faithful tether. Let me explain that illustration. Any little house on the prairie fans in here? Only a few? I'm going to sell you on it by the end of this time. So little house on the prairie. Anybody seen the TV show? Oh, come on. Come on. You can be honest here, right? I know you watch TBS sometimes. You've seen it. Okay, so Little House on the Prairie, it's a series of books written by a girl in pioneer days of America, and it kind of chronicles her family's journey. My mom read them to me when I was a kid, and they were fascinating, because you know what they did in there? They ate cherry pie for breakfast. Now, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, I'm like, Mom, can I eat cherry pie for breakfast? And she said, sure. If you'll go out and work 12 or 14 hours out in the field, that's fine. You can have cherry pie for breakfast. But if you're going to sit at home, no way. I never took her up on it. But they ate cherry pie for breakfast, and these books chronicle kind of their journey. Uh, When Christina and I, when we had our first child, Sparrow, uh, you know, when you have a new baby, they want to nurse all at different times during the night. So there's a lot of awake hours and the wee hours of the morning where no one else is awake. And so what we did is we'd watch Little House on the Prairie. It's about the only thing on. We'd watch it as we fed Sparrow, and it was kind of our deal. And then now my kids are old enough for me to be doing what my mom did for me. I'm reading those books to them. So this is a special uh, collection of books, right? They lived in the Midwest and the North, and uh, pioneer times they had their cabin, then they had their barn, and so a blizzard's going to blow in. Right? It's a big deal. They're nervous. So they bring all the animals, the cows, the chickens, the horses, everything. They bring it into the barn. Right? But the distance between their house and the barn was of such length, and the blizzard was going to be so bad that they were worried when they went out to feed the animals that they'd get lost in the snow, blown off track, get lost, and die in the blizzard. So what did they do? They set up a tether. They set up a rope from the house to the barn that became for them the thing they could grab onto. And when the blizzard was blowing, when they couldn't see, when they felt like, which way is this way, which way is that, they could hold on to that tether, and it anchored them to get to their goal. This word about God withholding things from us in prayer is a faithful tether for us. Let me explain what I mean by that. I have a mentor named Robert. His dad is named Bob, and they lived, uh, growing up, they lived in the Round Rock, Texas area. Bob was from a poor family. We got some Round Rockers in here? I thought I heard a cheer. Maybe we should go, maybe we should go down there, a little field trip. Um, they, uh, they, his dad grew up a poor man, uh, started working when he was 12 to help contribute to his family. 
Uh, Robert describes growing up as just times being tight, being lean. And at one point, his dad inherits uh, some money, a good chunk of money. And his dad is thinking, man, for one time in my life, I have the opportunity to get ahead. And so he's like, I'm going to invest this money, and somehow this is going to pay off, and we're going to be rich. And he had two investment opportunities. The first opportunity was in an organic fire ant killer product that, man, if you're from Texas, you know we have a fire ant problem. Sounds like a good deal. The second was in a small technology startup. Bob was a follower of Jesus. Uh, he was, was involved in his church. And so, you know, he's, he's, I'm sure he's praying and asking God for wisdom in this decision like you and I would be, God, oh, what do we do, right? He made the choice to invest in the fire ant killer company. Because finance were bad that year in Texas. It was like, man, this, this is a good idea. Well, that company ended up going bankrupt, belly up. The small technology company that he could have invested in was Dell Computers. And that would go on to, there would be years where that one investment would have kicked off $30 million a year to their family. Wow, and he missed out on it. Man, you want to talk about second-guessing yourself <laughs> a little bit. Wow. So what happened, though? Without that financial security of the investment, what the fruit that it produced in Bob's life was that he became a man of prayer. That their financial situation and the pressure around it drew him to his knees to the Lord, to look to the Lord to provide. That learning to pray years later when Robert, his son, would develop a serious health condition in high school that threatened to kill him, Bob and his wife would gather, and they would get down on their knees, and they would pray every night asking God to heal their son. And Robert, my friend, my mentor, is the fruit of this. God supernaturally healed him. It's an amazing story. That trial that they went through translated into this very deep and vibrant walk relationship with God for his entire family. So today, Bob is uh, a leader in his church. He's an evangelist, so he works at a car dealership, and he's always sharing Jesus with people, right? And I've been around him. He's an amazing evangelist and such a joy to be with. All of his kids are walking with Jesus. His grandkids, the ones that are of age, love the Lord. His kids love and respect him, right? And all of that fruit came out of a great disappointment of an investment going wrong. Now, if you were to ask Bob, he would say that that investment going wrong was actually a blessing because what his secret hope was was that if the investment paid off, that he could live independently, kind of removed from life's trials and hardships and just live insulated and be okay. So he was trying to build essentially his own kingdom around himself to live independently. And God, Bob's asking, give me wisdom. God doesn't give him what he asked because Bob was asking, because Bob was going to spend it on his own passions, something that would not be in Bob's best interest or the best interest of Bob's family or the best interest of those around him, right? And so this truth that God does not give us what we ask for at times because our motives are off or we would use it improperly is really good news, and worth celebrating that we have, man, incredible promise and a faithful tether that we need. So question for you is, well, if, if I should ask, if there are things that God wants to give me 
that I'm not asking for, but he would give me. How do I ask in a way that lines up with God's will? Like, how do I ask so as not to spend it on my own, like, you know, wrong desires, but how do I ask what God wants for me? This is a great question. So I want to read to you a quote from a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Christian leader around the time of World War II talking about learning to pray and learning to pray with a tether. And here is what he said. He said, if we are to pray aright, perhaps it is quite necessary that we pray contrary to our own heart. So when we're talking about prayer, sometimes people will teach you, hey, when you pray, just kind of start with whatever is in your heart. Whatever just kind of comes up, just pray that. And Bonhoeffer's saying, well, maybe we should actually pray contrary to that. Not what we want to pray is important, but what God wants us to pray. The richness of the Word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our own heart. Think about that. I don't know about you, but my day-to-day life kind of seems like those little house in the prairie blizzards where whether it's internal, like I'm, I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm encouraged or I'm discouraged, I'm just, it's kind of like there's a blizzard all the time. And then life is changing so fast all around me, right? If I just pray what's in my heart, most of the time it's just going to be me verbally kind of uh, vomiting my anxieties about life or feeling sorry for myself and putting words to that. But if I let the riches of the Word of God shape and mold the way, the language with which I pray, the agenda with which I pray, I latch on to a firm tether that Christians for ages and generations have been using as a faithful tether through the storms of life, leading them right into the arms of God. So how do you do that? This has been the single most significant thing that's ever happened to me in learning how to pray. I'm so thankful that someone taught me about praying the Word of God. Did you know that throughout the Scripture, there are prayers that are recorded that can serve as tethers for us to begin with the riches of the Word of God? Let me give you one. Uh, It's in Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to put uh, many of these. They're known as the apostolic prayers. I'm going to put them up on our website, on our blog this week. Uh, so you can take a copy of those. And I'm going to give you a dare here in just a few minutes. But Colossians 1, verse 9. This is a prayer that the apostle Paul prayed, a faithful tether for us. He says, and so from the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. So here comes his prayer. Asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to the glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. So guys, when we grab on to this and we let this structure and shape our prayer, here's that faithful tether that you need for the storm that you're in, right? So I'm going to show you how to do this. You take this prayer, and I'm going to pray it for me, for my wife, and for our church. And we're just going to do it, and you can pray along with me. Jesus, I'm asking today that I would be filled with the knowledge of your will. I'm asking for my wife that she would be filled, for my kids, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will. 
I'm praying for our church that every person who calls our church home will be filled with the knowledge of your will today, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, would you give us wisdom and insight into your will for our lives so that we, so that I, so that my wife, so that my kids, so that our church, that we might walk in a manner worthy of you. God, I'm wanting us to be pleasing, fully pleasing to you. That when you see us, you smile, you're overjoyed at the way that we're responding to you. God, I'm asking that we would bear fruit in every good work, Lord. God, and that we would be increasing and knowing you more and more and more. Father, would you strengthen me? Would you strengthen my wife? Would you strengthen our kids? Would you strengthen our church with all power? Fill us today with your spiritual power according to your might and your strength, God, that we would have endurance and patience, that as we go through the challenges of life, as we go through things that are mundane, as we go through things that are narrow and feel limiting, the places where we feel boxed in, Lord, that we would have patience and endurance marked by joy to walk with you in the narrow places, Lord, that we'd be a thankful people, that I would be a thankful Man, and I just celebrate that you've qualified me, you've qualified my wife, you've qualified the followers of Jesus in our church to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. That's how you pray the word of God. And I just want to make a dare to you. If you took one of these prayers, I'll put them there, there are a number of them, I'll put them up on our blog. If you took one of those to pray each day, Pray over yourself, pray over your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your roommates, your, your, your kind of crew. Pray over your, your, your church. Take those and pray for them. I'll make a dare, or in Nickelodeon style, a double dare. What would happen if you did that? If you held on to that faithful tether and you let that shape your prayer language? Man, if you'll take me up on the dare, I'd love to hear the fruit that it brings. I've seen the fruit that it brings over 16 years of trying to do this. It's amazing. I would encourage you more than anything, let the Word of God be that reliable tether. And as we close, there are two things that I want you to see in the balance of the, the, the generosity of God the saying, I want to give, and the wisdom of God that says, I will withhold when it's not in your best interest. I want you to see a Father that you can run to that has a heart that's inclined to your best interests, that it's inclined to generosity toward you, and yet wisdom to give what's best for you. And I want this to move us as a community to run to the Lord in our prayer, responding to these things as we ask. So I want to invite you to stand, if we can get the band to come up. Jesus, thank you. That in the cosmic generosity of God that you look at us and you say, ask, and it will be given to you. That there are things in our lives, Lord, that you want to give and you're waiting for us to ask. That there are breakthroughs in our church, there are breakthroughs in our city, Lord, that you're wanting to do. And you're saying, just ask me. God, let that stir our hearts with love and faith and affection in such a way that it, it drowns out the competing, uh, competing loves, the competing things that are vying for our attention, and that we'd be people of prayer. Lord, thank you that you're wise and that you give us not always what we ask for, Lord, but in the asking, you give us what we need. 
Thank you for your wisdom that we have a good father that we can run to and not from, that we can trust and not pull back from, Lord. God, I'm asking that we would move forward as a community, Lord, in the place of prayer. As the band leads us, let's respond.